Hey, welcome back to another episode. We're now in 2011. And in this episode, you're going to hear Murph talk about what he learned about pricing, what he learned about factoring, and then the valuable lesson of getting in front of the customer. Check it out. Yeah, so take us to 2011. So here we are, 2011. Uh, how many employees, what do we, how many customers do we have? What, what are some things that you're, you're marching towards now as, as the business continues to evolve? Or, or is it like deeper into information assurance? Like what, what's going on in 2011? Yeah, so in 2011, um, I think it's important for everybody to understand, you know, I have always looked at if the business is improving, we're always hiring, right? Um, and so I, I was never, I'm still at a point where I hold all this personal debt on credit cards, right? And you think about 09, 10, 11, all those interest rates are just going up, right? All those incentive offers are going away and I'm paying ridiculous amounts of interest rates. Well, none of that's getting paid back. I mean, the business, if it's making money, I'm hiring more people. If it's making money, I'm leaving cash in the bank. So I think there's a misconception out there that when you talk about millions of dollars, that there's this flow to the bottom of the line, but you've got that um, accounts receivable float, cash float that I talked about. Um, you know, in earlier episodes, mm -hmm. um, you're constantly flexing payroll because now we started to do some projects um, in the continental U.S. around IA and still back in the satellite work, doing a ton of that network engineering. We picked up a few other customers doing some maritime work. So a lot of that satellite uh, uh, work translated over to um, maritime satellite systems for shipping industry, same kind of thing. So we're trying to pick up some project work then. I really, you know, 2011 was important because um, I learned a lot about pricing and margins. You know, when you price the project wrong, um, you, you're, you're going to get killed in the float, right? And as, as you get into 2011, um, there's still a ton of contract work out there, but you can start to feel not a slowdown. You can just start to see more compression where when you go back to 2009 and we got that jump ball to go hire 50 positions and can you do it in six days? There's less of that. And it's like, Hey, I'm always going to need 10, but instead of X margin, I need you to do it for Y margin. So you can start to feel that compression. So you feel like you're growing. Your revenues going from one six to one eight to you know three point one three point two, but you're not seeing the cash flow come through because you're doing it at worse margins at lower sales prices than you did before, and and it's something that's always stayed with me because man, we're doing so much more, the volume so much more, but the pain is still pretty real, right? Not mm -hmm. paying anything back. Um, you know, I had. Uh, as I said, my, my brother and his, his friend and longtime friend, you know, wrote checks in the company. So I didn't own a hundred percent of the company It's really dumb of me, um, to, to, to just, yeah, let's be partners. Right. And, um, all for, you know, small check amounts, but hindsight's 2020 and you didn't know, I didn't know then. So learn a lot of lessons about pricing in 2011. We're doing more contract jobs and these government, um, subcontractors, they just don't pay timely. Right. And so your accounts receivable is outstanding 45, 60, 65, 70 days. Um, so starting to really understand the value of good banking relationships and 
you know, got, got kind of the first line of credit where the company could stand on its own two feet. You've been in business now three, four years, you know, you, you talk to the bank, okay, we're going to give you a million dollars. Um, one important really tipping point, and, and it's one of the smarter things that I've done is, um, at, at one point there's this thing called factoring of your accounts receivable. So companies will come in and look at what people owe you and they'll pay you like 96% of the outstanding and they'll actually take over the collections process for you and you give up that 4% as their fee. And so it seems like a great idea because you get that cash up front. You don't need to worry about the float anymore. It's one of the worst things that you can do in business because once you get on that, you'll never get off it, right? And so mm. I, there's a lot of things I didn't do during this time um, that were extremely helpful. Yeah. How did you know not to do that, right? Because uh, like when you, as you were describing factoring, I'd never heard of that. Uh, as you were describing, it, I thought, well, that sounds like a good deal. <laughs> right? So I would have, I would have ruined that. But what, did you have a mentor? Is it something that you learned in school or, or did, you know, run the idea yeah, with your brother? Um, or? I talked through it with Phil Moyer a lot um, and something he was familiar with. He, he saw both sides of it, but we were really talked through was, Hey, do you, if you feel like this is the business and this will be this business this way for a long time, um, then consider it. If you don't think this is the business might not be the right time. And that's where I start to really evolve into this concept of don't make long-term permanent decisions in a time period where there's rapidly changing variables, right? So I start to learn some of these lessons that I applied during COVID. I applied during other, other times in our history. Like if there's, if it's a, it's, if it's a high, highly variable and uncertain situation, don't make long-term decisions. That's a great lesson. When uh, going back to that first line of credit from the bank, is that a, is that an average time? Like, like what is the average time for a business to get something like that from the bank? Is it, four years or so? No. Um, if you personally guarantee it, which I had to do, right. Um, mm -hmm. you, you personally guarantee it then, then yeah. I mean, you don't, some, but someone's always going to give you debt, right? Um, sure. So, so how did that feel? How, how did that feel? Personally guaranteeing that, like, what was that feeling when, I mean, were you that confident or were you like, Oh, here we go. Um, it's a good question. And I'm still numb in 11, right? Like I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the CEO group and you have guys in the CEO group, CEO group that are, they've been running the same $10 million, eight to $10 million company for a decade and it cash flows 20%. And we would go on these trips to like Sanibel and we'd stay, you'd bring your wife, you'd stay, we'd be in working sessions for two days. And then at night you'd go out with wives and stuff. And I can remember like not being able to like go to an ATM until a certain time at night, uh, when payroll hit, right. And all these guys are driving nice cars and I'm just happy to have AC. So, um, I, I think I was just kind of numb to it. Right. Um, it's just something that you did. It made sense. It made more sense than factoring. Yeah. Yeah. And and why not you? Like you're in that group of CEOs where a lot of them have had a decade, right? Of, of a business, eight to 10 million. They're getting 20% of it. 
why wasn't that good enough for you? Um, that group did a couple of things. Uh, you learn something no matter what you do. And it wasn't the four or five people that were really good at running the businesses I learned the most from. I learned the most from the people that were horrible at it or, you know, really just wanted to use the group to complain out loud. Um, Hmm. and they would come back every quarter with the same problem and they hadn't solved it quarter over quarter. And I'm just naturally a decisive person. Right. So, um, for me, I just wanted to do something bigger. Um, it just, it wasn't enough. It didn't, it didn't feel enough. I mean, you know, 2.5 million, who cares? Um, that's not, that's not the goal. I didn't know what the goal was. Right. Um, but that wasn't it. Do you have a goal now? I don't. Um, I don't. I mean, I, we have the three priorities of the business, but I don't have a number anymore, right. you know, to the outside world. Um, from my perspective, I have nothing left to prove, right? I have sure. a lot of things internal to the company of things I know we can do and people that I want to see have success and people that I want to see grow. That's, that's more how I'm, I'm motivated now. That's cool. Was there ever a, uh, a time in, in 2011, right. As we're going through it, where, uh, there was a, was there a, a pop or anything that happened in 2011 that catapulted Relic was forward or was it more just like, just keep grinding, keep doing the thing. Uh, was there anything that happened during that time that that really got you fired up, I guess, going into 2012? No, I think um, the thing that we started to do in 2011 where we learned the most is we started going to this, and we went in 10, but we really went in 11. Elliot and I flew up to the satellite conference in National Harbor, um, outside of DC in national Harbor, Maryland, um, big conference center. And it was a satellite and communications conference. And we needed, we knew we needed more customers. We had broke into the maritime business. So we kind of looked at who was going to be there and the way this conference worked. Um, and this is the, you're not allowed to do this by the way, conferences. Um, but everyone set up these booths and they were hoping for, men and women in uniform to come by that had purchasing power that would learn more about their product. So it was a joint public private defense department, um, you know, enterprise corporations coming together to share and look at what the next technology is. And, and they happen everywhere, but satellite was a big conference. And so we'd go there, we'd see uh, our existing customers, we'd stop by, and then we would go, if you think about it, it's not like there's a million people with purchase orders, wearing government fatigues, walking around, just throwing them out to every booth. So most of the time, the people, these booths are pretty bored and we just go strike up conversations and try to figure out if there's a way to partner. And, and it's just speed dating. I mean, there's, there's 300 vendors there and you're trying to hit all the big ones and find that you, you kind of hang out by the booth and see whose name tags were the most important. And, you used to call that getting creepy, you know, just trying to case the booth a little bit and then go up and ask for a certain person. Um, and, and man, we, we did that for a while. Um, we, we did that. Um, that, that's really how, when we, when we eventually will get to it, 
pivoted to cyber. It's how we got some of our first big, really chunks of work. Um, and Elliot is just amazing at it. He, he really is. It's a gift. He can just talk to anybody anytime. So, so this, so this is the first time you've attended in 2011. Is that correct? Yeah, really attended. Like now when I say attend, let's talk about what that means. Yes, okay? please. Yeah. You're, you're flying up middle seat and coach. Um, I'm sharing a hotel room with Elliot at some kind of beat up, you know, whatever we could find that was the cheapest amount. Um, and you're eating pizza and you know, it's just not, it's not, it's not all the way we do events today. Let's put it that way. Sure. Sure. Uh, I can't imagine rooming with Elliot. So let me, let me say that first. Uh, so good for you. Uh, <laughs> um, what, before we moved to 2012, when you were, uh, getting creepy, speed dating around, right? What, what were the things that you were looking for specifically where you knew like this would be a good opportunity to partner? Yeah. You know, um, we started to figure out that our sweet spot was not the largest defense contractor. It was usually someone that was trying to be the largest kind of that middle tier that was trying to get to the, to get to be the, the, the big person that needed speed as an advantage to beat the big guys. And, um, you know, the other thing we started doing in 2011, it's really built the cadence now is the value of getting in front of the customer. One of our main customers at the time was we're headquartered in Annapolis, Maryland. So we would, we'd go up there three times a year. There's this steakhouse in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, they always want to go eat there. We'd go eat there. And, you know, that was just, that was a regular cadence and building relationships. So when things started to slow down or, there was going to be a stop or something happened, you could pick up the phone and have a conversation, right? I mean, we could have built the business and just sat back and waited for them to send us work. And a lot of people do that, but I, you know, I've always felt believed in the, uh, the practice of just getting in front of people and, sure. and building rapport. And that did us a lot of good, but, you know, I think, um, for that particular, um, conference we go to others i mean there's one big here in in tampa there's one in baltimore we were just really kind of poking around and trying to figure it out right how are we going to grow this thing and it, it was just still searching there wasn't the set business model where i said this is all i'm going to be thankfully there wasn't um because right. you know it's not like we raised a bunch of money and sat back and said what are we going to do right we, we didn't right so um we were bootstrapping it the hard way yeah, it's it's cool to hear where that lesson came from around, you know, the value of getting in front of the customer. Cause I know we still talk about the day. Yeah. That, that hasn't changed. And so it's cool to hear like that was eleven years ago now, right? Where you really saw that start to pay off and just how that lesson has been the thread all the way through even even to today. And so um with that being said, let's go to two thousand and twelve. 